You may be seated. Brad, come on up. I'm going to talk here for a second. Sound booth guys. Uh, we are very grateful to have Brad here. And I heard months and months ago that he was coming back. I shared with him a little bit of our study, what we've been talking about recently, with going through the book of Acts. And the Apostle Paul just finishing up his third missionary journey. And Paul goes in to give his report uh, to the church at Jerusalem. And some of you have been paying close attention to that. And you know, when Paul or when uh, Paul came, he actually just gave his report. He didn't give it to the whole church, did he? We've talked about that. He just gave it to James, the half-brother of Jesus, and the rest of the elders that were there at the church of Jerusalem. And they were so glad to hear about the souls that had been saved and the work that had been done. And they rejoiced with him and celebrated. And then they said, we are so glad to hear that, brother. We rejoice with you. And then they stopped it right there and they said, but we've got a whole bunch of people here who don't like you, Paul, is what... Paul was told at that time. That is not the case with Brad coming to give his report here, as far as I know. As far as I know. They had to go and deal with all kinds of folks who thought poorly of Paul because he wasn't paying attention to the Torah. And uh, God definitely in all of those details. God has also been in the details of the Hawkins ministry. When I said earlier, many of you have been praying for years and years for the Hawkins family giving money uh, through our missions program here, some of you giving money in another way. We are so thankful for that. And this is how Calvary accomplishes the Great Commission. We work to do it here in our area, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, but also on the other side of the world. And we are blessed to have wonderful servants of God. And um, I've heard wonderful things. I've known Brad for over, I think we played golf over a decade ago, yeah. I think it was. And he's been a blessing to me. And so would you please give him your uh, complete attention and you pray for him as he speaks. And we're glad to have them here. Welcome to Calvary, Brad. Thank you. It is so good to be here this morning. Um, and I, too, just so Pastor Jeremy knows, I am, too, very, very thankful for my wife. Um, it, she makes life uh, as a father much, much easier um, as she takes care of it. But actually, uh, in, in all seriousness, the heritage that she has here at the church um, and the things that she was taught as a young person growing up um, has really had an impact on our ministry, not only just our family, uh, but our ministry in general. Um, so, you know, I do thank you very much for um, all of those who influenced her, all of those who took the time to chat with her, talk with her as she was growing up and give her that time. Um, it's a really important age for people to be impacted um, and taught, um, which actually kind of leads me towards my message this morning. Um, I, too, am in uh, talking about Paul and Timothy. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, and... and this passage here is kind of uh, my wife and I is our life or our ministry verses. Um, and, and these are passages that have meant so much to us. And um, in the relationship between Paul and Timothy, Paul is writing this letter to him as kind of his last will and testament. This is the end of my line. And I want you to know a few things. And he was encouraging Timothy to prepare for problems from without and from within. But he was also telling him to stay true to the word of God. Um, it, the Word of God is our foundation. Everything we have, everything that we can rest on and do ministry with uh, is based in the Word of God. And Paul was trying to encourage Timothy to stay true um, through all of that. Um, and the passage that uh, I want to start with this morning, um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, they say this, And then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, Mary and I, we have uh, chosen these verses, as I said, as our life verses or our ministry verses. 
And uh, when we left, uh, this is probably, we've been, we've been in South Africa for 16 years. Um, I know, uh, you know, for me, it's hard to believe, it's hard to imagine. Um, and I look back and I look at the age that we were when we first went to South Africa. And I wonder what Word of Life was thinking um, and letting us young people go and do all of these things. Um, and, and when I left, I felt more like a Timothy than a Paul. Um, I, I felt I still needed people in my life to encourage me, to help me, to build me up. And over these last 16 years, that has changed. That has evolved. I still feel like a Timothy at times because I still make all kinds of mistakes and I still do all things. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still a young at heart and, and, you know, I'm a child at heart um, and, and I love doing these things. But God has pushed us into a ministry more of a Paul type ministry. And we've really come to enjoy that. And over these last uh, years, just learning how to unpack this verse. It's a great verse to have when we first went out. But did we understand it? Probably not. We've learned what this verse is over those last 16 years. Um, and it's been exciting for us to see these relationships, to build these relationships. Uh, my wife told me this morning when we got up that I need to turn my cell phone on silent at night um, because I got too many messages in the middle of the night. We are like uh, six or seven hours behind South Africa, and I got a lot of Father's Days, um, you know, Happy Father's Day things. Um, and reason being is the same relationship with Paul and Timothy. I have a lot. Of, I love my kids. I have three beautiful children here, and I love them, and I am their father. But I have a lot of spiritual children in South Africa, and I, I've been known as Uncle Dad, um, Dad, spiritual Dad, all of these things going on and on and on. And so this relationship is so important, um, and I love doing these things, and I love being involved in it. And it's always remind me about discipleship. It always keeps it in on my mind. Um, as a parent, my first and foremost responsibility is to disciple my children. That the God has given them to me, and I need to be doing that. But in our churches, in, in our work and ministry, we need to be discipling other people as well. And that's what Paul was doing with Timothy. And he was preparing him for a ministry that was going on. And God has given us, Mary and I, a lot of opportunities to disciple people. Um, one of the ones in particular, I think you'll see a picture. Oh, sorry. That's me. I forgot to go there. Um, so that was, oh, there we go. All right. One of the opportunities that I've had, oh, see, I went too far, I think. Let me go back one. Sorry, new clicker for me, so, you know. All right, so this is one of the couples that uh, actually, when we first got to South Africa, we met them, much our same age, doing all the things the same way. Um, so this is Wayne and Tracy Cox, and we began to disciple them in the beginning. Wayne came to me in a very, very early in our ministry, and he says, Brad, I want to help Word of Life. I love what Word of Life is doing, but don't put me up front. I don't want to speak. I don't want to do anything. I want to fold chairs. I want to cook on the grill. I want to do all of these type of things. Um, and after, um, what, about 15 years, um, Wayne and Tracy are now full-time with Word of Life. Um, he's out preaching. He's going to Bible school. He's done all the things. And that is not just about what Mary and I have done. Um, God has done miracles through his life, and God has done amazing things through his life. But we've had a part of that in that discipleship process. Now, sadly to say, there's also people that we've discipled that it doesn't work. You know, it, it fizzles out. We've all had those type of relationships as well. And I always struggled with, why do some work and some don't? And I struggled with that for a long time. And a few years ago, um, a friend came over to South Africa, and he told me to look at that passage again. And he says, I want you to look at two words at the end of that passage. And if you look in verse 2, right there at the end, it says, Entrust to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And the key there is faithful people. Paul told Timothy, look for faithful people and train them. 
Paul didn't go to Timothy and say, Timothy, disciple everybody. Now, I'm not saying that we don't disciple everybody. I think we have to work with everybody, especially in youth ministry. We take them where they are, and we take them on this long journey, and we bring them along that process. But Paul was telling Timothy, look for the people who are faithful. And then Paul actually goes through this passage, and he tells them what a faithful person looks like. And that's what I want to talk with you this morning. Now, I'm going to talk to you in this in two ways. I want you to pay attention for two different things. First idea here is, I want you to see how Mary and I have taken this passage and put it into our lives. And I'm going to show you pictures, I'm going to show you a few things, so you can see how we've taken that passage and we've made it reality in our lives. But also, I want you to take this passage and I want you to reflect on your own life. Are you a faithful person? Do you qualify for what Paul was telling Timothy to look for? And that's where we all have to struggle. That's where we all have to strive to have the same characteristics that Paul was having. Now, you'll see I have a list, all right? And there are eight items on this list. I will never get through all eight, (laughs) okay? Um, I will try to get through hopefully maybe five of them, but we'll see how far we get, and we'll just enjoy the trip as we go through it um, and see what God uh, allows us to go through this. But that is the list of all eight characteristics or um, ideas that Paul says, these will, this is what a what faithful person will look like in these characteristics or these traits. The first one we want to look at is a son. Um, now you open that first verse, thou therefore my son. Paul was Timothy's f- spiritual father. And we all need to have um, that spiritual understanding of where we come from. Um, our faith, we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Just because we come from a family that's Christians doesn't mean we are Christians. Every person must make a choice by faith to put their, by grace, by putting their faith in Jesus Christ. And that's the only way. But everyone must be a Christian in order to be considered a faithful person. So the first step, and that seems very easy, is to introduce people to Jesus Christ. To give them an opportunity to make a decision whether to trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And we do this often in South Africa. Um, This picture that you see right now, um, it's just one of the opportunities. We do a kids' fun day where we run a fair. It's like a carnival type of thing where the kids come and play games. And it's a draw. The games are draws. The kids love to come and play the games. But the focus for us is to sit them down and to share the gospel message. Um, and it is kind of unique in South Africa, um, which I don't have time to go into all of this. But we depend heavily on our counselors afterwards. We don't just have the kids raise their hands and say they're Christians. We take them to the back, we counsel them, we work through this, and we get them back into a local church. Um, The cool part about South Africa is I could have, if if you wanted uh, sheer numbers, I could give you great numbers. I could show up with a soccer ball and I could have hundreds of kids, but there's no discipleship. Remember, when God says, make disciples, it wasn't just lead them to Christ, it was to train them next. And we want to make sure we have a balance in that. And, but we run a lot of these events, a lot of these activities where we are introducing them to Jesus Christ. Now, number two in this is a steward, um, being a good steward of our faith. Now, when you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit indwelled you, and you were given certain spiritual gifts. You were entrusted with a heavenly treasure from God. What are you doing with it? We are to be good stewards of the treasure that God has given us. We are to use those spiritual gifts to better reach the world, to better have an opportunity to share the gospel, and to develop the church that is around us. There is nothing worse, in my opinion, than a person who has the great gifts and chooses not to use them. That is a waste. That is not being a good steward 
of the spiritual gifts that God has given us. In the book of 1 Peter 4, verse 10, it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. It is our duty, our duty to invest into what God has given us in the lives of others. And that's exactly what Paul is doing with Timothy. He's investing into the life of another. He's training him. He's teaching him. He's helping him develop his gifts. He's doing all these things to help them get involved in this. You've got to appreciate the history of our church. It all started with one guy spending three and a half years with 12 guys. And those 12 guys, on and on and on. And what do we have today? We have this huge church. Why? Because some people stepped up and used their gifts and trained other people to use their gifts. And on and on. And we've got to keep that trend going. Unfortunately, at the moment, I see it shrinking. That's not a good thing. But one of the things that we kind of do to battle this in South Africa, um, we do a ministry, and for a lack of a better term, we go on Saturday, so we call it Saturday ministry. But I take a young group of young people, and we help them help a church run their youth ministry. They had just started. They didn't have any experience with it. So I take a bunch of young people, and I use the young people to run the youth ministry. So I'm giving young people opportunities to teach, to lead songs, to run small groups, And my idea here is I want them to develop their gifts. I want to give them an opportunity to grow in those and to develop what gifts God has given them. And they're using them. They're being a good steward of the gifts that God has given them. And it's become a really great opportunity, a great ministry. And it's still going on while I'm gone. I handed it over to another young man, and he is taking it over. He's taking the group and still doing it, which is another step in that wonderful process. Now, for you older Christians in the room, all right, so not the old people, all right, which there may be one or two of those. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, okay, I'm sure there's one or two of you. But for those of you who are older Christians, all right, now, this is, you know, I might, I might get myself in trouble with this one, all right, but I, I'm good with that. I, I won't be back for three years, so it'll be fine. <laughs> um, if you're an older Christian in the room and you look at the younger kids or the younger Christians and you say something like, oh, Man, they are just all over the place. Oh, what are they doing with them? All right, and you start saying all of these different little things. All right, shame on you. All right, why are they like that? Because you have not stepped up. You have not used your gifts to train them. That's what Timothy's, that's what Paul is talking about. He's saying you older Christians who have these gifts, who have these abilities, go and find a younger Christian and help them develop into the Christians they need to be. So if you sit around and you say, oh, those kids, they're so noisy. Oh, they're so this or, oh, they're that. And it's because you haven't done your job as older Christians. That's really what it comes down to. There is no one to blame but ourselves. Okay? We have to disciple the younger people. Okay? And if you're not doing it, then you're not a good steward of the gifts that God has given you. Okay? Pastor Nate working in the youth. He should be turning you away. Sorry, I got too much help. Nope, don't need any more help. Leave me alone. I don't think he's ever said that, <laughs> okay? All right, he's, getting, he's got a good smile on his face. He's being diplomatic, all right? Uh, but we've got to be involved in those things. All right, and the next point, I want to try to keep us uh, moving uh, along on this. And the next one is to a faithful person is a good soldier, a good soldier for Jesus Christ. Verses 3 and 4 say this, Share in the suffering as good soldiers of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in the civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who has enlisted him. 
The soldier endures hardship. Can I tell you, serving God is not easy. And I'm not saying that because I'm serving God in South Africa. It has nothing to do with location. It has nothing to do with any of that. If you are serving God, it's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. The Bible has never told us, become a Christian, serve me, and I will make everything rosy and we'll have happy endings. All right? We will have a happy ending because we know where we're going to spend eternity. But it's not going to be easy. A soldier's life is hard. It's full of sacrifices. It's full of giving up things. It's full of pain. That's what our life is going to be. But guys, we have an eternity. Eternity with Jesus Christ, and it's going to be amazing there. We just got to suffer a little bit here. Nowhere near the suffering what Jesus Christ did for us. But we've got to suffer a little bit of hardship for him. And it takes great personal sacrifice. We're always sacrificing things. One of the mottos in our family you know, a lot of times when you're in ministry, your family sacrifices, um, and, and that's part of it. Even right now, my poor kids, we're, we're traveling all over the place, and they just, I just throw them in the car, and here we go, you know, off we go. And they have to endure that. They didn't sign up for it, but they go through it. But as we're doing ministry, and one of the things that we do is we include our kids in the ministry, but one of the things we always say is people are more important. You know, it would be easy to say no you know, one, we have a couple of young, you know, young people, can we, I need a lift, I need a lift, I got to get here, I got to go. It would be really easy to say no, because, you know, it's really, it's expensive, it's annoying, it's all of these things. But it comes down to people are more important. So I will endure hardship, I will make sacrifices, why? Because people are more important. I'm so glad that Jesus said the same thing. You know, going to the cross is not going to be easy, but you know what, people are more important. So as Christians, we need to make the same sacrifices. People are more important than myself. And I've got to be able to, willing to do that. The other thing in here with soldiers is they avoid worldly entanglements. A soldier is totally committed to their commander. There's no second-guessing the commander. There's no saying no to the commander. You do what the commander has asked you to do without any delay. Total and complete obedience to that which what the, the, uh, the commander has said. When we serve God, there should be nothing holding us back from what God wants us to do, right? And, it, and what God wants you to do is not a difficult thing, okay? He's given us the Great Commission, make disciples. That's, that's as easy as I can make it for you. We all need to make disciples. Now, you may be an evangelist, and you may be leading people to Jesus Christ. Amazing, awesome ministry. But you may be a discipler. You may be the person who comes after that and helps them develop in that ministry, there are so many different spots for us, but it's all part of the same goal. Make disciples. Our commander, our, our leader has said, make disciples. And we must obey. We must follow through with that. And we must get rid of all of those entanglements. We must shed all of those weights and all of those things that hold us back from what it is that we are supposed to be doing. One of the things I find in the current generation um, and I, you know, I love reading all the different Christian books and books on these different ages. Um, but this coming of age, this age that's coming up in these young people, um, they are, the only thing that they are certain about is their uncertainty. All right? That, you know, they don't go anywhere. They don't get jobs. They stay at home forever, right? You probably, you know, some of you know some of these things. Right? That's not how we as Christians are supposed to live our lives. Okay? We have been given a mission. We have been given something to do. Um, and it's sometimes difficult when they come to me and there's no commitment in them. There's no decisions. There's no focus. The Bible tells us very clearly, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. 
plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Also in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 to 33, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or what shall I wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you are in need of them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We as good soldiers need to be focused on the kingdom of God. That's it. There's nothing else we should be focused on. But too often we get distracted. Too often we get, well, I'm not sure if this is what God wants me to do. Well, God, you know, we're waiting for that letter in the mail, that writing in the sky. Folks, it's already been. It's come. It's gone. It's in our Bibles. Make disciples. It's there. Now we've got to step up and do that which the commander has asked us to do. Nice thing is we don't have to do it alone. Isn't that awesome? Uh, Just for us and specifically in South Africa, we literally yesterday had another couple accepted to come on staff with Word of Life in South Africa. And the cool part is they're Chinese. It's a Chinese family. We have a big population of Chinese people in South Africa. And so yesterday they were accepted. We don't have to do this alone. We have a team going. You have a team sitting right here around you that is able to help you. Look in this verse, Philippians 1, verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Paul is giving a battle cry. Stand together. Stand firm. All right. Let me ask you this question. All right. Look at the person next to you. All right. Or maybe look at the person around you, whichever it is you want to do. If your spiritual life depended on that person, are you worried? Now, I know, I, I, please don't, don't, get, don't mistake it here. Once a Christian, always a Christian. I truly believe that, and I'm not doubting that. But if your spiritual life depended on the person sitting next to you, how confident are you? That's a little scary, isn't it? Because we know, you know, you know wives, you, you know the guy next to you. Oh, boy, you know. Husbands, you know the wife. She's amazing, but you know. Uh, you know, whatever, wherever it is out there. Okay, I, I don't know any of the specifics. But it's difficult. But isn't that what this passage is saying? Hey, stand together. Spiritually, help each other. Build each other up. You're never alone. A soldier who turns and runs is hated by all the other soldiers. Paul's saying, be a good soldier. Stand firm. Stay together in this battle. One of the things that we do with this is small groups. A lot of churches that we train, a lot of people that we go with, we always have small group time. Why? It's a personal time to make application, to get into their lives, to figure out what's going on, and to encourage them specifically. Okay? When I stand up here and I get an opportunity to preach like this, I make application to all of you, which is great. I have no problem with that. But if I have three or four of you, I can look at you in the eyes and say, this is what you need to work on. I can't do that right now because I don't know you. And it's too big. I would embarrass somebody. But in a small group, I have an opportunity side by side, shoulder to shoulder, eyeball to eyeball, and say, this is what you need to be working on. This is where God is working right now in your life. That's a powerful moment. And we need to have those chances. We need to have those opportunities with one another. So small groups is a very important aspect of this. 
All right, and the next one is being a good athlete. All right, I clicked, but it didn't go. There right, we go. Is being a good athlete. All right, we got like five minutes to get through two more. Woo-hoo. All right, here we go. Um, in verse, uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 5, it says this. I think that's up there as well. There we go. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Paul loved using athletes as an analogy. He was always using them all throughout Scripture. In this particular one, he was talking about obedience. An athlete must obey the rules. You can't break the rules. If you break the rules, you lose. Right? The other thing I find in this passage is you must win the race. Notice he doesn't say just run it, just have a good time and run it. No, win. We, we need to win. We're not second place. There is no second place. We need to win this race. We need to obey the rules and we need to win. That's how much Paul wants us to do things. You can't say, well, you know, I'm going to take, take a sabbatical from my spiritual life for six months. Well, you know, life isn't really good right now. I'm going to put all that stuff on hold. No, athlete can't do that. We must run to win. We must win the race. And we must obey the rules. A lot of other passages that Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 9, 25, and 26. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. We've got to run with self-control, with focus. Okay? We've got a purpose. We've got a calling. We've got something we need to be doing. Along with that passage in Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. In my mind, I picture an athlete running. Okay, obviously you can see I'm not an athlete. All right? I used to be. But I have given long time given that up to food. All right? I'm a foodie, food athlete or whatever you want to call it there. Right? But I picture this as you got this big backpack of all these weights. An athlete can't run with all that stuff on. It's like taking that stuff off, right? Taking those weights, taking those things off so that I am free to run the race that God has called me to run. We've got to shed all of that weight. We've got to put all of those things aside. When Paul gets fine and kind of goes through all of this, you know, obedience an athlete must run according to the rules with self-control and also with endurance it is not a short or easy race it's going to be a long time and we've got to run with endurance all right let me get to the last one here is a farmer all right a faithful person as a farmer so in verse six this is what he says it is hard it is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops it is not for the lazy people Ministry is not for laziness. There is no time for laziness. All right? There is always somebody else to help. There is always something else to be doing. All right? I love what I do. I work all kinds of crazy hours, but I love it. All right? Officially, my day off is Monday. That's when I schedule all of my discipleship. Why? Because I love it. That gives me joy when I go and do discipleship. So, yes, I don't have a day off, but you know what? I don't care. I love what I do. Every day is amazing. Is that what you think about when you live your life? Can you, are you excited to get up the next day? I can't wait to get up. Probably because you got some weight on your shoulders that you got to let go of. you got to get into the work that God wants you to be doing. I love playing basketball. I am the shortest of my brothers. All right, so I am the little guy. I'm the runt of the litter. All right, I love playing basketball. And growing up, we would go just like, you know, go play other schools. 
and I had an opportunity. We go and play one of the neighboring schools, and uh, we always had a hard time beating this school, not because they were good. They didn't have the talent that we had, but you know what? They were farmers, and those boys could run and run and run, and they were built like bricks. You know, you'd go to box them out or hit them. You know, it's like, man, I just hit a wall, right? And it was always difficult to beat them. Why? Because they worked hard. Farmers work hard. As Christians, we need to be working just as hard. We can't give up. We can't say, well, I'm going to leave it to the younger ones. In my, my church in Pennsylvania where I grew up, there was a lady there. Um, oh, man, I don't even know how old she is, but, you know, I think she was there with the dinosaurs. God bless her. But, I mean, she's just there. And she was telling us, well, I was thinking about giving up some things. And she says, but retired is not in the Bible. And so she's going to keep going. Until she's dead, she's going to keep going. Okay? Oftentimes we retire and we give up on ministry. There's no time for that. You can retire when you get to heaven. That's the time to retire. Right now we need to keep busy and we need to keep working. One of the things that we have an opportunity to do in South Africa we run a short-term mission trip, and I'll tell you more about this uh, in the Bible school hour there when we're all together. But we put the kids to work, physical work. We make them work so they can have a good day's work under this. Here you see them doing some farming, planting stuff for an intellectually challenged adult home. So we go and we do ministry for them, and we work. We want the kids to see that they need to be working. And it's not just you know, teaching Bible lessons. It's not just about sharing the gospel. It's about physically getting your hands dirty and doing some work. And so we want them to see that. We want them to experience all of those things. All right, now I'm going to kind of jump ahead because I'm, my, wa- my watch says 11, so, I, you know, we'll see how. Let me, let me, I'm going to skip past that one verse right there. Um, and I want to bring this to an end. And I want to share a verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. All right, if you've got your Bible, read this. Make sure you're reading this and looking at it very specifically. And this is what Paul says to Timothy. Now, he says, think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. That is exactly what I want you to do this afternoon. I want you to go home, and I want you to think over what I said. Think it through. Which of these characteristics do I have? Which of these characteristics do I not have? Which of these characteristics do I need to be developing in my life? I hope your goal and my goal is the same. I want to be considered a faithful person. If Paul came around, which I know he's not because he's in heaven, but if he came around and said, I'm looking for faithful people, would I be one of the ones he chose? All right, I saw Pastor Bracey here this morning. I don't know where he is. He's like, you know, the pillar for me. You know, he's like the man who's been all, you know, Pastor Bracey walks in the room. He says, I'm looking for faithful people. Man, inside I'd be like, pick me, pick me, pick me. But would he pick you? Are you a faithful person? When Mary and I do ministry, and we love doing ministry, that's what we look for. We look for not only do they have it, but do they have the potential to have those things. And we also look at the young kids and say, okay, we know what characteristics they need. How can we help them get from where they are to have those? And so we're discipling them in that process. We're leading them in that direction so that they can make good decisions. But you guys sitting here in the room, You've got to be faithful people. Why is God not using me? Well, maybe you don't have all these characteristics. We've got to step back. We've got to evaluate our lives and say, God, help me develop these. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. But can I tell you, Mary and I, 
We have found no greater joy than doing these things, one in our own lives, but in the lives of others around us. To see those people make decisions, to see them coming to a faith, to see them coming to experiencing God and seeing God use them in a great and mighty way brings us great joy. And I believe today, if you focused on these, one in your own life, but also in the lives of others, you will have a joy beyond all understanding. No one could explain it to you, but you will have great joy. Let me close off in a word of prayer, and I will be finished. Let's pray. Dear Christians, Heavenly Father, Lord, we again, we thank you so much for this time. Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for their heritage. Lord, I thank you for what they're doing now. Um, Lord, we just thank you and praise you, um, Lord, for the ministry that's going on and has been going on through this church. Lord, I pray that you will help each and every one of us in this room to self-evaluate, to look at our own lives, and to determine which areas we need to be working on so that we can be marked as a faithful person. Lord, again, we thank you for the privilege of being here. We thank you for uh, being a part of your family. And Lord, we look forward to serving you even today. In your precious name we pray. Amen.